This is Bipocalypse. Hi, everyone. This is Ethnocultural Support Services podcast series Bipocalypse. Today, we are discussing the theme of Black joy as part of our Black History Month campaign. Before we begin, let's all go around and introduce ourselves. Um, so I can start. My name is Aza, and I'm the, ex- the events executive on the ESS team this year. Hi, my name's Ajay, and I'm the coordinator for ESS this year. Hi, my name's Ragad. I'm the external communications executive for ESS this year. Hello, my name is Eden, and I'm a graphics executive on ESS this year. Hi, guys. My name is Matthew, and I'm the past ESS um, coordinator. Hi, my name is Divine, and I'm the current uh, co-president of the Black Students at Ivy Collective. So hi, my name is Medium, this year's AVP programming for the USC. And we're all Black. (laughs) All right, so um, before we begin, I just wanted to introduce our theme a bit. So we've decided to cater our entire campaign around Black joy. Um, So we often do find that most people understand Black History Month as a time to reflect back on traumas and hardships that come with being Black. Um, However, this year we wanted to shift the narrative so that we focus on the positive and joyful parts of who we are instead. Um, So just to start off the conversation, I just wanted to start by asking, what does Black joy mean to you? And anyone can feel free to answer this question. Um, uh, Honestly, I think just finding finding joy wherever you can because I think as black people it's just like and especially as like like there's some black people aren't just black people they're like people with like various multi-factoring identities right so it's hard life's hard it's a struggle out there so anytime we can laugh together um or like you know see other expressions of creativity that make us like like that feel I don't know how to say it like feel feel right in our souls or like just uh like, honestly, for me, it's the laughter. I love laughing. I love laughing with joy of people. It's so, something healing about that, something different. And, like, telling stories and stuff and just in conversation and just being there, it's, it's truly something different. I agree. I feel like when you even, like, mentioned, like, laughter, I love laughing with Black people specifically. And I feel like that kind of just comes into, like, when I think Black joy, I just think of the social circle that I kind of surround myself with. And I do have a lot of, like, Black friends. And I feel like when I'm with them and when we're doing fun stuff and when we were making, you know, inside jokes and references and talking about Black culture, like, that's where I feel the most Black joy. And I think that we kind of just bounce off of each other like that. That's kind of, like, a very magical thing I think about being black and being with other black people yeah honestly yeah to like go off of that when I think about black joy I just think about community and the black community specifically because like I feel like in a lot of societies and countries we're often the minority in terms of population but like every time I feel like black people find each other there's just this immediate like spark because I think we just share so many like experiences we have the same like viewpoint the same perspective the same also type of humor and i think we're just all a part of something that's so much bigger than us and it's just it's the best feeling ever at least for me to like be surrounded by black people so when i think of black joy i think of community all the time also i think of like black art and black music and black like books and just comedy in general i think there's just so many aspects to like black culture that reminds me of like black joy I was going to add as well, like, I think that Black joy, it creates almost a contrast to, like, what we usually see in media or, like, representations of Black people anyway. 
Um, I think there's always a negative view. There's always like, you know, police brutality or like crimes or anti-black racism. But I think black joy, it adds like a different nuance to like the black experience and then something positive and something that we can offer Yeah, like uh, similar to like what Maria said, I feel that black joy to me is really about like resilience. It's about, you know, uh, we, that there's this, that this idea that the black experience is never is, is one about struggle. Uh, but that's not necessarily the case. And often we see like black people, especially when they come together, kind of transform a lot of that, um, a lot of that struggle into, you know, whether it's art or whether it's, you know, a sense of community or whether it's a sense of, uh, just a sense of unity um, overall. I feel like that, like the idea of resilience in spite of the struggle, that is what, what black joy means to me. I think, or like even black commit, commit, um, comedy like it comes from a more like genuine version of joy to me it's like listening to other people or um just living in black joy uh like relative to regular joy i feel like it ties into the black experience a bit better obviously but um yeah it's more at more myself than joy experiencing it with other people not to mention like in terms of like media art pop culture and all that we're like we're literally the blueprint and i feel like that in itself like someone's already saying even like it's so like relatable because like you see things that like when you grow up like doing certain things and having these certain like style for example and then to see black people kind of be trailblazers and bring that into like mainstream media and then all of a sudden like the styles that you grew up with and you thought were like I don't know kind of embarrassing it's like everyone's you know falling suit and it's kind of like it's it's really nice and you feel a lot of pride I think when you see black people kind of setting the trends and you can't you can't even deny that like if I open my TikTok right now it's it's everywhere I look and sometimes it's like kind of annoying because it's like damn like they're stealing whatever but at the same time it's like you gotta be proud that i mean it's being appreciated sometimes when not appropriated but yeah i feel like a lot of pride in that as well just the representation that we see out there yeah i know absolutely i like for me it's the same thing just like all of those components of community and those like shared experiences and i feel like our community um is just really good at finding the silver lining um in our lived experiences and our traumas and we we've made it into something beautiful, which we see in the media and through our art and like Divine mentioned our resilience. Um, so this kind of segues into the next question um, on how do you specifically um, celebrate Black joy in your everyday life? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, uh, I think someone hinted at it earlier. Just how do I celebrate it? That's just through the idea of community. Um, I know that's something about me is that no matter where I am, no matter you know, whether I'm in like a predominantly white institution or in a predominantly white environment overall, I I seek out um, black people um, around me and I I seek to kind of to uplift and also just to uh, to come together like with the black community overall. I find joy in that. I find, you know, that, that I, I it brings so many positive emotions, it brings so many positive experiences. Um, and that's how I celebrate it with kind of surrounding myself with black people wherever I can, um, regardless of where I am. Um, a huge thing for me is like supporting black creators specifically. Um, I think that a huge part of black joy is giving credit work to do and like platforming our voices in spaces where they haven't been historically platformed. So especially the media, black Twitter is the funniest thing. <laughs> black TikTok, the funniest thing. <laughs> so when I see like black creators doing their thing, I just have to like, show so much more attention whereas i wouldn't comment on like another creator's um 
post probably, I made the extra effort to like support the black creators just because we're given the space, we're doing our thing, we're having our platforms, we're making not only the trends, but like the jokes and the styles and the influences that like carry all through types of like social media and media in general. And I think that's so important. And I think that goes a long way to like empower our community. And these days I've also been trying to like support more black owned businesses as well. That way I'm like, you know, joy can also mean finances and funds. Um, <laughs> trying to get that money circulating. So there are a lot of different ways that I celebrate about joy and those are just a few. A hundred percent echo that, especially in terms of um, what's it called, scrolling. I love watching the dancing videos. I love to watch people dance, specifically black people. It's like I don't have TikTok. I wish I did, but it's not healthy for me. But like, I love watching those videos. Um, like any of the, a lot of the TikTok trends too, like the sounds. I think that's what they're called. It's so so funny. Almost like I would say eighty percent of the ones I hear are all black people. More than yeah. eighty, yeah. more than eighty. Like black people are running TikTok. Ninety nine, yeah. The dances, like or Larry the like, Blueprint. We and are the, the thing is, they don't get the money. So I think that's been yeah. in the news the past four or five days or something like that. I keep seeing mm. that in the news is that black creators, I think people are forgetting or remembering black people again after 2020. Um, but everyone's on the news and they're like, yeah, black creators aren't being paid. And they're like, yeah, it's like such a crazy thing. And my, my whole program is about how big tech is uh, like hates people, um, specifically black people uh, in this uh, specific you know conversation. But it's like, yeah, so you, you should go out of your way to comment on Black creators' content when you like it. You should go out of your way to, like, save their posts, you know, share their stuff on different forums. Because, like, they like they won't see it otherwise and they're not getting the brand deals or the, like, the opportunities if you don't. But this is not supposed to be a rant. My bad. <laughs> no, but even just, like, to bounce off of that, like, Charlie D'Amelio, she's the one that kind of, like, started the whole, like, TikTok popularity thing and she got famous off of a black a dance that a black girl made and she didn't get any credit so that's just another example of that in fact she didn't get credit until people started like going after charlie d'amelia and ended up bullying like you know her agents and stuff to end up giving credit and then that's what she got like i think she was on like the ellen show and stuff but it all just kind of boils down to like as matthew said giving credit where it's due and matthew himself as a black artist (laughs) you gotta plug yourself because when you mentioned just like uplifting and like supporting other black creators, like I do that as well. Like if I see something, I like it. Even if I don't like, even if I'm not even fully in tune to it and I'm kind of just like scanning by, I give it a like, I give it a share. And I feel like that's what creators like yourself and like other people, that's what they appreciate. And so it's like just doing your part um, to spread a little joy because kind of doing those stuff, it, it would make those other people happy. And then it kind of just like, I feel like it circles back to you. Like once you, once you like hype up other people within the black community, it's just like a mutual thing. Um, and I also just want to kind of add on, like when I think of Black Joy for me and like in my day to day, I wish it could be day to day, but it's more like occasionally, I think of like specifically first year and those BSA and CSO socials because those were like so pivotal for me in terms of like the friend group I have today, the sort of people I met, like I still am like such close friends with people who I met through those kind of student clubs and um, events. And when I just, like, think about the way how we'd be, like, like at the barbecue, like, everyone just stank face, you know, hyping each other up. Like, not a care in the world, just bliss. That's exactly what I think about, just that energy. And honestly, just shout out to, like, BSA CSO because without that, I probably wouldn't have any friends. Or I wouldn't have any black friends. And then who knows what <laughs> would have gone down. So. Oh, yeah. I want to say shout out to BSA specifically because... 
first year, oh wow, the way I came to the school knowing no black people, and I was actually scared about that because like I didn't know anyone at Western first of all, and specifically no black people, so I didn't feel like I'd be at home if I didn't meet people. So places like BSA, CSO, and ASA as well, like they were so amazing in terms of me- in terms of meeting new people, um, showing me events, showing me like friends, like. The friends I have today are because of those things. So it's really crucial and a big shout out to this. I live in London. And so like, like a lot of you guys, you don't like, there wasn't a lot of black people I knew that were going to Western or I necessarily like that were going to Western. So um, when I got to be that time, it's like, because London is so, um, so uh, what's the word? Reflective of the Canadian society. Um, uh, my experiences with like you know BIPOC people were like limited unless I went and sought them out in the same way you have to go seek them out right so anytime I'm like feeling a little down like hmm what about my one friend remember I'm always laughing with them let's check up on them let's go see if we can you know mix up I'm sure they could uh, benefit from that too and every time that happens it's always good stuff it's always good stuff and it's like the laughing the jokes and it's because you can't you can't necessarily laugh about the same things with um, the people that you usually hang out with or the people in your program or whatever, but you can laugh with those, like about those things and you can kind of just take. I also feel like someone else mentioned this, but just that kind of recognition at Westerns, because as you say, sometimes you have to go and seek out other black people, I'm sure like as a London resident, but I feel like even on campus, like, first of all, I don't know, there's, there's so much more black people this year than there were when I was in no, I don't know where that. they, let's talk about that. I don't know where they came from. <laughs> <laughs> years ago they started coming no like after covid all these black people just started showing off on campus and then you yeah. see them and you give them the little like like you know like i recognize whatever and that that's just i guess part of the whole community but it's just so funny how like even just walking by a stranger it's like oh like a black person <laughs> like i had this friend who whenever they saw someone who was black a western and they didn't know would be like who is that like why don't i know them <laughs> like Currently, right now, I'm in Spain for all the listeners listening. And Spain is predominantly white, obviously. Europe, giving very Caucasian. But, bro, every time I go out and I see a black person, it's like me, them, we make eye contact, and we just immediately gravitate and start talking. And it's just us the whole night, every time without a doubt. So, I mean, I just think it like transcends borders. Like, just being black and having that in common, I think just magnetizes us and pulls us together. And like, it goes back to community as we've been talking about for this entire podcast. And I think that's like an incredible thing. So seeing another black person in a predominantly white space. So sometimes that's what you need to get you like through that. Yeah. And like, I actually experienced like an identical thing to you guys, just being in um, like with an Ivy where there's really not a lot of black, if you guys think there's not a lot of black people at Western, there's <laughs> way less, uh, way less at Ivy. Uh, but like, even with that, you still see a lot of the same um, gravitation that happens, you know, with, like amongst the black people that are here. Um, like right now, I think I'm actually believe that I'm friends with like 90% of the black students uh, at Ivy just because Again, there aren't that many, and then there's just this, there's this natural gravitation, just because you not know, on the basis of like shared experiences. Um, you know, it, even like looking into like recruiting or or just being like a business student or just you know being a student in a predominantly white institution like Ivy, it's just that shared experience uh, kind of leads to us gravitating towards each other, and that's something that I just I I love, and I love that it happens in every single um, setting that I'm in. I'm completely obsessed with it. Of course, through this conversation, it's obvious that we all have the ability or have learned 
um, to experience joy being Black. Um, but has there ever been a point in your life where your identity sort of impeded on that joy or made it harder to, I guess, experience happiness? Bro, every time I go to like a party and they play a song and it has the N-word in it, I'm yeah. immediately on edge. I'm just like watching. Sometimes I try not to watch just because Bliss is ignorant. <laughs> I'm just trying to have a good time. But sometimes like at the same time, I have to, not that I have to check people like that, but it just makes me feel so uncomfortable. I knew that if I didn't, if I wasn't like completely aware of the people I was sort of, the type of people I was sort of with, it would make me feel so much worse. I know like, I guess applying to jobs or applying to like schools or things like that, like it's not something that's like joyous or fun, but it's something that I think your identity really plays a role in how you feel you'll be portrayed, like maybe in an interview, right? I heard a story of someone, like he had like an afro or something, but like before a job interview, he felt the urge to just cut it off because he was scared that was how they, that was how like the recruiters are going to judge him because of his hair, right? Or things like, you know, you don't want to apply to a certain school because you're like, oh, you're like scrolling through like their past classes and you see like two black people out of 200 people, you're like, oh, if, if there's only two people there, then I don't have a chance, right? So it's kind of things like it really impedes your ability to apply or at least try like these different schools or different jobs or things like that. So that's facts. That and like both of what you and Matthew just said, like for me, when it's like in terms of like what Matthew was saying about the whole going to parties, society just loves blackness, right? As we like as a as things that they can take from, right? We like that as a in cultural theory. aspect. Yeah, yeah in theory. theory. <laughs> exactly. Precisely. So they like that part. Um, so like, you know, TikTok, you know, social media, you know, the current energy, at least with young people, they're like, oh, it's just internet slang. No, no, it's not. Miss ma'am, it's not. Um, but that's like, that's something that I like, even to this day, like in, you know, meetings or in like, uh, classrooms or even like when professors try to be, uh, hip, it's like really hard. Even like with friends that you have in classes, you're like, ah, you're a cool one. I like you. Then it's just like, they say something that you might, that you know. You know where it came from. But you're not about to say something because you're not about to ruin the, you know, one of the only friendships you have in this classroom. And, oh, like, just right. from, right? Exactly. Um, so there's that part. So it's like, that's the moments where I'm like, ah, like, let's just let it slide. I don't have the energy in my soul to continue this fight. I've already spent so much of my life fighting. Um, there's that part. And then in terms of what you said um, about the job thing, it's like, I'll often look at opportunities and be like, hmm, let me check this out. You know, let me test those waters and i'll like you said i'll look maybe on their instagram on their website i see no black people i see maybe one or two and those smiles look so painful and forced like i I can't commit but then there are also places where i'm like oh someone black should be there but how can i justify someone like myself you know um struggling and going through that to make it easier for other black people Versus someone struggling, and then there's still the same system that's gonna break them, the people after you down, just as much as you, it broke you down. You know what I mean? So it's like it's a constant kind of like ah, uh, let me just pretend that I know that this part of my life doesn't exist. Regard when you were speaking about like going on TikTok, I think a big part of what like being black is like almost impeded is my ability to enjoy things specifically on social media, because I've realized that what's happened with like the rise of TikTok and Twitter and stuff is that this whole generation of like people they've they've learned what makes us tick and i find that they've they've gotten so good at being quote unquote passively racist if that if that even is a thing and it's all like the as you said like 
I'm not racist, but, or like, oh my God, everything's always made about race these days. And when I see those comments and when I see them trying to like gas like black people when black people are offended, it's like, I wish I could be so blissfully ignorant like you to think that not everything has to be about race because when you're black, everything is about race. Like newsflash, um, good for you that you don't have to experience that. But that's like one of the major things in my day-to-day life that I feel like it just ruins my ability to enjoy things and trends and like cultural appropriation. Like I see, I wish I could unsee, but I see it everywhere. And it's just so like annoying. Like I want to erase my brain from it, honestly. I agree with what I just said because like it's even, it's hard to like enjoy things about yourself. Like, so it's like, I guess for example, like going out or something, right? Oh, should I wear this? Am I going to be like, be seen as scared or scary i should say or is me walking like in this grocery store in this album myself like is someone gonna come up to you right so like those kind of things like i can't control that that's who i am but like it's something you have to be cognizant about like if you're black and i don't think that's fun it's something that i think really puts a burden on a lot of black people Uh, it's so hard um or it's just so frustrating when you are in those positions where you actually have to think about how you groom yourself or how you act and how you like carry yourself in certain like environments just because of how people treat you will change drastically based off of that. Um, I remember in first year, um, it was such a cultural shock because I come from the GTA and I came here and I lived in Delaware, which was all like white people and like private school white people. And so it was so hard to sort of I guess get that campus and like resident experience through that just because I felt like I couldn't be myself. I had to, you know, I had to act a certain way. I had to like change my interests or the way I speak and just all these weird things. So you're not like your authentic self. Um, and then again, it just, it just becomes like exhausting, I guess. And I'm like, why do I have to put in so much effort um, and, you know, time and just like having to be so careful just to reap an experience that, I want to just have. You know how in first year for our week, I think we had like a rave or something on like um, BC Hill. Like, what was I doing there? You know, I was like pretending like I enjoyed it because I wanted to fit in because I wanted to like be friends with my 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 resident people, right? So I think I like I agree with what you said. Like, you're trying to change your persona and your identity to try and match with someone else, which is wrong. Yeah, like, and kind of, I guess it's similar to that, uh, but kind of in a different area. Like, I feel like a lot of our, even like our accomplishments or our achievements in general, just we can't fully uh, enjoy them, you know, that's because we're black often. Um, I remember when I was first, uh, just actually just starting at Ivy, when I first landed, like, my uh, my first Ivy internship, and it was like a, a pretty prestigious firm. And the first comment that I had from anyone um, in the in the program was, Oh, like it was a diversity hire, and just having that. Said that to you? Yeah, no, for real. It was. It was. That was the first thing. Um, somebody from Ivy, that's someone that's not in my personal like circle, you know, said when they heard, uh, heard uh, about about my internship, and to me, that kind of just like I guess like set the tone um, as to what like what I'm what I'm going to have to expect moving forward. Um, just because at the end of the day you know, regardless of how hard I work, regardless of, you know, how many hours you put in, because you're black, you have that caveat there. And that's always going to be there. Um, And that's, you know, I'm speaking about right now in business, but I'm sure that's the same thing in really any field and really with black success in general right now. Um, 
And you know, I'm currently preparing to kind of go move into the States uh, for this coming summer for a different internship. And I'm getting like, I guess mentally prepared to have those same kind of conversations about the diversity hires or about the, you know, undeserved placements, et cetera, that I got obviously because I was black. And so I feel like having that caveat always, that's always something that kind of diminishes the accomplishments a little bit and just makes it a little bit harder to fully enjoy. And I think it takes away from like your own feelings of satisfaction, you know, like mm-hmm. you know, as much as you know, you earned it and you did the work, but some part of you is like, Oh, you know, is it because I'm black? Is it because right. I'm black, right? But it's not true, but that's just what it, it almost instills in you personally. I'm like, so glad you guys brought us up. Cause I feel like almost every time I get like an opportunity or like in my writing career or like anytime like a Western post, you know, I do any, or the school asks me to do anything. I'm like, are they just asking you to do this because they want to see more diverse? Am I being tokenized? <laughs> and I mean, on one hand, it's like, I'm going to do it anyway because sometimes it's not about what racism does for you, but what? No, what, not what, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Bro, what the racism can do for you because honestly, if the tokenism is coming with a check, I With a check. Thank you. I'm going to take the check at the end of the day. <laughs> so, but I mean, kind of as Video was saying, like the whole satisfaction kind of definitely diminishes because like in that sense, your race is like, that's what people perceive you. That's at the forefront of your, of your identity more so than your talent or how hard you work or anything else. And so that is like a real battle that I, I mean, I face all the time. Every time I get anything, I'm just like, okay. They want the diversity. <laughs> yeah, I think like being black just requires such a larger like mental and emotional capacity where you have to be like more cognizant of these things. And like I think a couple of times I reflected about like if all those like times collectively like doing things differently because I'm working against like black stereotypes like based because I don't want to be perceived a certain way or like I want to be treated a certain way like collectively do those experiences like change my personality like they probably have right and. Like, that's a little sad to think about. Like, your personality is probably, would have probably been different if not that. It's also just really sad because it's like, if you don't have your true personality, then like, what do you have? If like, this whole society has kind of even robbed that from you, like your natural like characteristics and traits, it's like, that's like the worst thing ever. Like, that's like the furthest you can go to kind of put someone down. And like, even as we're talking about, like, you know, racism and like academic settings like systemically and stuff like i know we wanted to also get into the like the contrast between where we are now and where we were in 2020 and just kind of listen to this conversation it's like what has been done you know like what i need something tangible and in terms of the everyday experience of black people obviously i didn't expect it to but nothing has changed like I don't think black people feel any safer, any more welcomed in these spaces, no matter how many like, you know, diversity events you put on or positions you open up, like it's not really trickling down into the actual black experience. And it's like, how do we get to that point is like the real question. Yeah, that's like, I was really, really waiting for this part of the conversation because the amount of anger I have about like hearing about blackness and racism every single day since 2020 it's unfathomable because now everything is trendy about black lives matter and i'm just so genuinely upset at how um co-opted and monopolized 
Black Lives Matter and like blackness in general has become because of 2020. I know. Tell your critical theory stuff to your mom. I don't care, but it's just the amount of frustration I have. I can't even talk about it right now. No, like I get that. I'm like, I think it's a huge reason why that is, is because since 2020, honestly, not even since 2020, since every like huge traumatic event that has happened to a black person immediately, immediately afterwards, there's always this like performative activism that follows. And it reminds me of this Malcolm X quote that's slipping me right now, but I'm sure you guys probably know it. But it's about kind of when these things happen, they try to subjugate the uprising and the, the outcry with like these symbolic forms of like dismantling racism instead of like actually distributing wealth they're like i don't know like, do something that, that doesn't help anyone yeah you know what i mean uh, yeah that's just why like the whole like um performative anti-racist campaigns like it was i guess it was okay like for the beginning steps to familiarize people with okay yeah black people are experiencing xyz um but i feel like the performative nature of it has just taught people the right thing to say in front of people like you know but like i don't think it necessarily tackles like the underlying issues like people don't actually understand what racism truly entails and like what are like because you know now we're talking and we're still like sharing these experiences of racism that we've encountered um post you know post 2020 um so it's nothing has necessarily changed i just think it's the way people present themselves and the way people kind of um tiptoe um you know surrounding different topics has changed and yeah Yeah. like maybe there's like the benefits because you know regard i think you mentioned like it's trendy now um and you know like you know like I guess you can see what racism does for you because, you know, now there's, like, bursaries for being Black or whatever. But, like, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, in terms of, like, our actual, like, day-to-day experiences and the way society, like, that systemic racism, like, component, that that really just hasn't changed. Right? It's just, it's all performance. I think that's what makes me angry. It's not, before anyone gets mad, excuse me, and starts saying, like, you know, she doesn't want black people to advance. That's not true. Um, It's just the fakeness of it all. And like you said, Aza, they're just, they know what to say now. I'm so sick and tired of all the infographics. Um, I hate how they've, um, like, taken infographics about, and they just create them about everything, like black trauma. Like, let's just, you know, let's just kill it let's just like like hammer them with all this black pain until they get tired of talking about blackness and then maybe we can move on and talk about something else next year it's like that's what that's what happened i don't know but i'm sick of it i want to talk about the bursaries okay so (laughs) let's get into i think bursaries and scholarships they're like amazing because they actually give black students like money and opportunities for like experience or things of that sort but i feel like there's always like a caveat you know and a caveat is like you know, tell me the worst thing that ever happened to you. The most racist experience you've ever had. Talk about it in 500 characters, right? Sure. Which is not good because it almost limits your ability to get that scholarship or that bursary based on your negative experiences. And I find myself sometimes when I was applying to them, like trying to like, you know, tell the worst thing that happened to me. And that's so bad because it's something personal and it's something that I don't really feel comfortable sharing. But because I want this position or because I want... um the funds, I do it, right? I know money's money, but like still, I don't like it's not it's not something that I feel like proud about. 
But I think that the institutions of like these scholarships and bursaries, they, they like force you to do that. And I think that's yeah. bad. So I think a better change would be like, you know, talk about talk about your experience being black, positive things, right? Things that are things that bring you joy, things that you you've enjoyed throughout your life, right? But unfortunately, that's not the way it is. I can speak from experience applied to certain certain things, but it's just hard. So. Yeah. And even like for grad oh, schools, when I was filling out my grad school apps, like a lot of them are like now catered towards diversity. Yeah, I, like, what are yeah. your experiences as a BIPOC or whatever? And I'm like, okay, well, like obviously they want me to unload trauma and like, you know, like <laughs> I, I guess I right? have to have trauma to get into yeah, exactly. you know, like, you know, so it's like, why do I have to have that you know that negative experience to open this door for me whereas students don't necessarily have to have that no i agree like especially like even for me just like applying to western my let by like i say wow the trauma i unloaded whoever read that not this young, <laughs> but like, <laughs> they know me better than a lot of y'all know me no but i also like have a huge problem with um bursaries for black people and kind of for marginalized people in general as well like as Madia said like money is money and uh, like it's a good thing that they're like redistributing the money but my thing this is like kind of my take is that if you're going to give money to a marginalized group to like, marginalized people you're going to give up the bursaries or the scholarships just give the money i don't think we should have to prove racism to them we don't think we should have to put on display or trauma and i especially don't think that we should have to prove our grades and prove like our extracurriculars because i think that's just another form of tokenizing black people you're picking like the best black person so i just think that if, if it really comes down to it if you're giving away money to a marginalized group because you want to have them in these spaces you want to bring in their perspective you want to just redistribute the wealth in general and be like an equitable institution Personally, my thing has always been just to give the people the money. They identify as that much of a group, give them the money. They already deserve it. We shouldn't have to put in all this extra work to prove that we deserve that money, you know? I feel like we got to recognize that all, I'm, I'm going to say in almost all of these instances, like these opportunities aren't being provided to like give Black people any sort of advantage. Often they're actually just done to rectify the, the grave disadvantages that Black people face you know, in these areas, right? You know, Black people don't receive you know, the, uh, the adequate support to, you know, get through, like, post-secondary. Black people don't receive the adequate uh, recognition in, like, interviews and, you know, in the general recruiting. And so, like, we need these initiatives, these targeted initiatives specifically um, to, to rectify that. I feel like so often we hear, you know, the term, like, oh, like, diversity hiring or, like, you know, like, like Black-specific programs and people, you know, instantly think that, okay, that means that, you know, oh, they're trying to give Black people something, trying to, like, help these Black people that can't, uh, get in, trying to help them get in, but but, that, but that's not the case. You know, it, it's the opposite. They're trying to remove the barriers that specifically target Black people, and I feel like we just have to like keep like reiterating that because at the end of the day, it's not really even like what racism is doing for you. It's getting back what racism has taken from you. You spitting! Wow, yeah. that was that was powerful. Yeah. yeah, I hear from a lot of my friends who are um, BIPOC as well, like saying like you know they they say things in their tutorials and in their lectures um, and they give these like really profound takes or whatever and the professor's like, mm, good point. And then, you know, they're 
non-melanated, uh, uh, what's it called, classmates will say the most basic thing. And they're like, oh my gosh, do you want an interview? Do you want this position? I heard over here. Oh my gosh, that's such a great thing that you said. I'm so impressed, yeah. especially at some, such a young age. And they do this all the time, like just for giving the well, bare minimum. the exact same thing, but in different exactly. ways. It's almost like your opinion is, as a Black person, it's almost like minimalized. Because like sometimes in group projects, like I just say something and then and the people just look at me like, oh, <laughs> let's no, like, let's talk about that. I'm dumb, or like I don't think I'm a dumb person, but sometimes you feel that way just because you're the only black person in the room and you say something, at, at, and then nobody wants to like. And nobody wants to talk about it or anything. Yeah, it's actually it's so crazy how common that experience is. Because like even for me, I've like, I've been in those exact same shoes where I'm speaking and like my team members are like, okay, like you know, like I'm like, did I say something? Like, am I not speaking English? Like, I don't know. And I remember last year I was, we, we had this assignment and we didn't do that well on it. And, but I was like, so sure that we deserve the higher grades. So I'm like, let's talk to the prof. Like, let's go through it. And they were all like, looking at me weird. They're like, no, like, it's fine. Like we just didn't do good. And I'm like, no, no, no. Um, and they made me just, uh, it was just weird vibes. Like, I hated that group. Uh, but anyway, we ended up talking to the prof and throughout the entire session none of them spoke i was the only one that was speaking and i managed to bump up our grade by 10 percent. so yeah wow. yeah but all that labors i was so mad year. though i'm like why do i have to share this grade with them because they had just, they had no faith in me and like they were being weird the entire time but i just again goes to show that they just always think we're stupid for some reason i have no idea i feel like when these things happen too like it's so like, like frustrating and angry. And I feel like when people say like, oh, like, you know, there's like the angry black woman trope and like, oh, like black people, they're, they're so defensive, so emotional. It's like, yeah, of course. But I feel like I, sometimes in some situations, like I'm not going to lie, like when, when those things happen or when I've been in similar situations in like school groups and I feel like people are being, you know, kind of standoffish or they're, or they're not giving me, honestly, just general respect. It's also just like, I find a good practice to, like smile in the face of like racists because it's kind of like equivalent to like a middle finger when they think that they've really got you and they think that they're like really getting on your skin and then you're just like you you actually just like you 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 portray the opposite and you keep going you keep it pushing and as a situation like you go to the prof anyway like you just keep doing what you want to do and what you what you set out to do in a good you know maybe maybe put on a smile even if it's, even if smile is fake i feel like that in itself is so like it shows resilience and like but genuinely i don't know sometimes it's just necessary i think to like use that black joy as like almost like a almost like a blanket like you know at the end of the day use your black joy use your pride the stuff that you deserve and that you've worked for and just go along about your business like these people they, they clearly don't want to see us win so it's like we now we have to win now they leave us no choice but to win you know like the pressure's not on um i think this is actually a really good segue into this next question that i had um but why do you think that joy is an important part of resistance it's something that you can like use as a mask use something to like show them that you know you're not getting to my skin you're not going to get to me right so I think that's how we can use joy to fight the resistance or be part of the resistance. I think it's also like a fake it till you make it type of thing where even if you start off trying to like use your black joy as like this defense, it 
honestly, I feel like psychologically at some point it, it must start to like actually penetrate your brain and like probably actually even affect your emotions. Like who knows? Like I've been in so many situations where I've had to fake being like happy or being like okay but like that kind of you know even in terms of affirmation and stuff like it gets to you like it eventually might still you know kind of work in your favor and so honestly like my advice to literally anyone sometimes be like just fake it till you make it like i don't know what you, i don't know what you mean by resistance as too much do you like the the black struggle yeah yeah so like, i feel like um it's helpful in that sense in terms of how it shows different parts of Black people. So again, it's how we've always seen Black people as one way. But when you add joy to it, when you add smiling, when you add like, you know, the childhood pictures from the ESS campaign, right? It shows a different aspect of like the Black person, the Black identity. And I feel as though that's, that's I guess that shows, I guess, our enemies or people who want to subjugate Black people that we're more than just this one picture. We're, you know, we're happy children. We're smiles. We're laughs, right? So I think it just adds a nuance to the black identity. In terms of like what you guys are saying about joy and like affirmation stuff like that, it's almost like self-soothing. You know what I mean? Especially I found that in January, um, as most students and most people in the world, um, I was also suffering. Um, and I think literally I just leaned into listening to myself and like, okay, this sucks. What can I do to make it not suck? You know, it's like whether it's like grabbing some food or like, organizing my calendar and immediately making myself feel better it's like i lean into those in the same way i lean into those like opportunities to like just kind of revel in the black joy the same way when i see all this like i think even during 2022 when it was just like my entire social media was flooded with like just awful like heavy things um i, I went back to the joy i went back to the light moments or i spent time with family who's black to enjoy the joy there too you know well, I feel that and I feel like non-black people don't realize just how traumatizing the summer of 2020 was for black people and I visit like I very vividly remember avoiding Instagram at all costs and trying to like see my friends within those days like even though we were in quarantine I was trying to like hang out with them I was trying to like watch like my favorite shows and movies like I was avoiding it at all costs and for them it's like let me post this black square like oh my god it's so informative for us, it was literally, like, a pivotal, like, I don't know about y'all, but I feel like summer 2020 just changed the trajectory of my life somehow. No, I would answer to that. Because, so, the day that Derek Chauvin, I think his verdict was going to be announced, I had, like, a physiology exam that same day, right? So, and it was just, a, it was just before the exam. So, I was so stressed. I'm like, should I even look at the results before my exam? Because I know that if he wasn't guilty, I literally would have failed my exam. Because I wouldn't be able to focus, right? But other people who maybe aren't black or don't have like that personal connection, like they, they don't care. <laughs> they don't feel that way, right? So that was a struggle that I had to like try and overcome. But I still checked and he got guilty. Amen. And it was fine. So absolutely. I, I definitely feel like a lot of people didn't actually understand the weight of, you know, those traumatic events had on us because to them, it's just a sad story. But for us, like that's our mother, that's our father, that's our brother, that's our sister, that's our friends. Um, so I guess they just, that's something that's so hard to conceptualize. Um, and me and my housemates, we talk about this all the time, but we were saying that sometimes, or we feel like there should be a trigger warning almost um, every time the events that happened in 2020 come up. Because for us, that's just like such a triggering flashback to such a dark time. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's so frustrating how people were so, you know, it was so easy for them to kind of move on from that. Whereas, you know, that's still something that we think about like day to day. Yeah. And I feel like something that people like also don't realize is that it's not just the incidents. It's not just the shootings. It's not just the, you know, the, the, the protests, it's not just that it's the, the conversations that happen around it, you know, it's, you know, turning on the news and listening to two people debate whether your life has value. You know, it's, 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 it's constantly listening to, you know, opinion pieces. It's looking, you know, Twitter, it's looking at, you know, your, your entire social platform, you know, becomes a, a, an argument between people who think, you know, oh, like you matter. And you know, these are important issues and people that think that, oh, you know, this is just like the way things should be. And it's the way things have always been. And so that's the way things should be that, that consistent conversation that you have to unwillingly be a part of that is draining, you know, having to go into classes and, you know, they bring it up in class. And now that's a discussion point that is draining. You have, you know, uh, diversity workshops where now people are going back and forth playing devil's advocate that is draining. So it's not just the, 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 the direct uh, incidents themselves. It's, everything that comes with it and having your your humanity constantly debated and evaluated that is draining do you did you notice any differences uh post 2020 like in terms of what your professors were teaching or how the conversations were held i would say like i noticed the biggest difference in like i think classmates like i obviously still have those experiences where like i feel like in group projects like sometimes i might be like not seen or not heard but I think in terms of profs they're a bit more like cognizant about like the vocabulary they're using but I definitely think that was like just like EDI training that they had or but then they will say sometimes things and I'm like um yeah but, like, obviously like, I'm not gonna speak up as like one of two black people in a classroom um just just to keep the class running um Oh, yeah, especially when you're a student, too, and you're a prof. Like, it's like, I remember raising my hand and correcting a guy because he called him Trevor Martin when it was Trayvon Martin and, like, also didn't name a few black people. But it's, like, the power balance. That's so embarrassing. All of this say their name thing only for you to literally not even remember them. Or say their name. They didn't. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Sense like when profs are in because like they're literally in a position where they have all the resources to educate. And they don't even. That's why whenever people say like you know what we're moving in the right direction and Gen Z is like so much more like accepting and inclusive. It's like maybe in terms of awareness and like maybe in terms of allyship in a sense. But there's still people who are our age and younger who are like being brought up in racist households who still have these mindsets. And you know what? They're going to grow up to be the profs, the the police. Like these children are growing up. As soon as, you know, Gen Z is now adults and stuff, it's not going to stop with the generation before us. Racism is still going to exist. And so that's why it's so important to like dismantle like the actual systemic roots of these things, not the, not the BLM fists or the merch and all that. It's like, the actual co- root and cause, which is honestly at this point, the past is the past, but it has to start with reparations. Like, honestly, yeah. yes, it has to start with the reparations and the actual, like, providing work. genuine opportunities and work and, and, and homes. And you have to start at that foundational grassroots level. And then maybe we can talk about, you know, the other more superficial stuff. Um, so what do we think students and allies can do to continue promoting Black joy year-round? It's having maybe those 
you know, essays for scholarships or bursaries or um, opportunities to be more, I guess, diverse in what they ask for. You know, I don't think it should, I don't think it should be a time. You know, tell me that you struggled. Tell me the hardest experience that you have while being black, right? But trying to advocate towards the other identities of black people, like what's something funny in your community. I would also say that we also touched on earlier is like yeah, like uplifting and highlighting black amazing artists, leaders, you know, that are doing great things. Um, not only when they're speaking on race, do you should you share their work or share their words, but more like when they're doing when they're perfecting their craft, when they're showcasing that, highlight them, like support them. Like again, the same thing with businesses. This is just like almost like the bare minimum and a very small way in which I feel like you can show your like support to, to the black community if you were to do that consistently. Like if I saw someone who like I I thought went out of their way to always, you know, highlight this black creator or something or give or give credit where it's due as Matthew said earlier like that simply could be that could like make someone's day and you don't even know it so those are just like small ways I feel like um if you want to be an ally then like put your support where your mouth is and and your money if you can if if possible then put your money there too and (laughs) I'm sure that these people will be very joyous yeah I think like media especially doesn't really associate blackness with black joy. Like there's such a big association with blackness and black trauma. Like that's why people are more prone to like repost black trauma rather than like black excellence. But um, I think if we could like get allies to to do the same, like support black businesses and um, support black um, artists, like we would be in a place where we could um, equally see black joy and like black trauma and like not, and, a very dangerous way like we we did in 2020 but my timeline should look like your timeline in terms of joy like i'm i flood my timeline and my feed with as many black creators as possible who make me happy because i can't afford to be sad when i go on social media so if you're if you're not seeing those posts maybe you should be changing something there also like one more thing um like specifically about black history month i think it's important for non-Black people to also recognize that Black History Month isn't only about trauma, <laughs> which I think is the whole reason why we're having this podcast, which I think is like a great direction. But I feel like, I don't think you guys have seen the tweets where it's like, <laughs> um, streaming services are like, highlight Black voices, but hard. And it's that. like all the most traumatic slave movies. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, this is honestly just like a really great conversation. It's good to reflect and talk about kind of like both sides of black history, the joyous and like the the more traumatic sides as well that need to be addressed. Um, but like on a more positive note, I just feel like black culture is so amazing. And I can't even think about like my favorite thing about being black per se. It's more like, I don't know, like it's so intertwined with like other parts of like my identity and all that, like, you know, imprints of intersectionality. But I would have to say like black women like like just let me this moment black women i have no more words that's all i need to say like i don't understand how the the beauty standard that we've been like that we're so exposed to is so anti-black because black women black features i don't know that's like one of my favorite things is seeing like fine black people and being like wow like you're fine like (laughs) i really love those moments i think my favorite thing about being black is just the diverse cultures that we have within our community like every every time I meet someone new from like a different country or coming from a different culture it's just so fascinating to see like just like the music or the way they dress or the way they style their hair or just 
it's just it's so it's just beautiful but i love it so much yeah for me uh also my favorite thing about being black is just the ability to find community with anywhere that there's black people um the ability to kind of have that connection on the basis of being black um i love it i love it every time i see it i love it every time i experience it and uh yeah it's definitely my favorite thing I, like when you asked the prompt i like immediately thought of my mom and then like as you said black woman and i was like oh my dad too i guess like <laughs> but really just like the people that came before me um that were also black and um like the like lives that they've led um and like the resiliency that they've gone through to um and like what i've learned from them um so that's really what i like i think most about being black and just like the culture that they led that like um have given to me and um like the laughter and like everything the dancing everything but um yeah yesterday i spent all like what was it two three hours with my mom going through my family history um because she has all this knowledge in her head about my entire lineage that 23 and me is not going to find for me so uh, i have this paper front and back trying to draw that and i it just i guess what i love so much about my identity is just the fact that it's me like i i don't think it's hard but i don't think i would ever want to be anything other than like a black muslim woman i'm very grateful to, to be born and raised this way and to be able to see from this perspective that I have and to be able to be to find compassion for people because of my own experiences. So like one thing I think is my favorite part of being black is the resiliency is given me. I think that we could think when we're young and like we first learned that we're black. That's a whole other conversation, but like, you know, it's something that it it's not common, you know, it's not no other race experiences that, at least I don't believe so. But just growing up in my skin, the struggles, the names, everything, right? But like I think that all of that has made me a better person today. I I can truthfully say that. And I think that's my favorite part. Just the resiliency and the strength is the strength the strength it's giving me to um, continue. So my first thing about being black, I I think there's two I can't pick. So the first one would just be like being Jamaican. I love my island. I don't care. I love us. I just think we're top tier. <laughs> I think <laughs> One thing about the Jamaican, they're gonna let you know they're Jamaican. I just love big Jamaican. I love black Jamaican specifically. I just think we got it going on. And the second thing is I think black laughter. Someone hinted at that earlier, like homework, like that they love laughing on black people. I feel the exact same way. And I feel like black comedy is just so like top tier. I think we're just hilarious. And I don't think there's like no other jokes hit the same to me as black jokes do like jokes from black people specifically all right so that was our black history month edition of bipocalypse thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you next time everyone can say bye bye this podcast is produced by ethnocultural support services at western university with music from artlist io See you next time.